Welcome back to Troubleshooting Agile. Hi there, Jeffrey. Hi, Squirrel. So I think, Jeffrey, have you had any sleep at all? I, I have. I've had a couple hours of sleep uh, about five hours ago. Uh, I, I, I finished at a conference on the West Coast, and I'm in London. Except um, you weren't on the West Coast, so you have jet lag without the jet. That, that's right. That's right. I was uh, attending this week the uh, DevOps Enterprise Summit Las Vegas Virtual. And I, I said, if people know on Twitter would have seen this, that I was super excited uh, to attend uh, such a good experience in London uh, earlier this year, quote unquote, London, <laughs> as we said. Also virtual, yep. Uh, last week, that I was I was looking forward to this, um, I think more than any conference I'd ever attended, a, apart from KitCon. Wow, that's quite uh, a statement. Yeah, and, uh, and, and I will say it, it really delivered. And uh, what would have had me up until um, past 6 a.m., London time was not the conference per se, but rather the post-conference happy hour organized by some of the attendees. So a shout out to the Finsters for uh, keeping the conference uh, conferring. We had that experience of meeting in the bar after the session was over and, and talking to the wee hours of the morning. But you didn't have to go to the bar. Excellent. Yeah. Uh, that, well, <laughs> yeah. And it was, that, so that, was a, that was a great experience and a chance to really confer with people and uh, uh, share thoughts and, and excitement uh, after a, a really great schedule and some really uh, great interactions uh, throughout the throughout the week. And it was one of those interactions I thought we might uh, we might talk about. That sounds fa fantastic. I'm sorry that I missed it. Uh, we got to give a talk there, but it was pre-recorded, and I I wasn't able to time shift and jet lag in the way that you were. So uh, I'm, keen, <laughs> I'm keen, and I'm sure listeners are to to hear what you learned. But um, you said something about complex adaptive systems, which is not. It's a phrase I've heard of and, and listeners might have heard of a bit, and, and maybe some of them are experts, but I'm definitely not. Uh, can you tell us more about what you learned about that topic? Yeah, I will. And this is one of the elements about the conference that I liked. I always enjoyed the opportunity of interacting with other uh, attendees, and that was built into this uh, conference format. And it's one of the things that uh, uh, the DevOps Enterprise Summit has done very well is to uh, adapt to uh, the remoteness and and to exploit the remoteness and, and, and bring in new affordances. And one of the things they did is they uh, had a networking time where they had a lean coffees as one of the options. And on on you know I did our 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 talk uh, um, on Tuesday and then on Wednesday and Thursday I hosted lean coffee sessions and both both of the same theme about changing behavior. And one of the uh, topics we got into here, and I, I think it was John Smart, uh, uh, who we can link to uh, uh, in the show notes. He has an exciting looking book coming, uh, Sooner, Safer, Happier, which is all about agile transformations at large companies, I think. Yeah, <laughs> that's that's right. Uh, so, so I'm really excited about, uh, about John's book, and it was great to have him in the session. And one of the things we were talking about is the um, difficulty, as, as you'd expect, would come up on a topic like changing behavior. You get a group of people who are the kind of people who self-select to attend conferences, and these are people who are often looking to try to, as they would say, create change in their organizations. And we got on this topic of uh, the difficulty and the observation that, uh, uh, that it's not that people resist change, they resist being changed. Mm. And uh, and John, I think it was who made the connection to a complex adaptive system, which is what we build. These, these organizations we build, the teams we build, they are uh, naturally going to 
try to adapt and to, to keep a sense of stasis. Uh, uh, so this is much like the, the human body with uh, homeostasis, the way we try to keep our systems the same. We try to, we try to self-regulate. And it, as the environment around us changes, we, we try to keep a constant temperature. We uh, try to keep a constant pH in our bloodstream and things of that nature. A fancy word for this is homeostasis, isn't it? That you're, you're trying to, to maintain a consistent state and your body is adapted to sweat when it's hot and to shiver when it's cold and therefore keep your temperature the same. That's right, exactly. And, and what we're showing is a property of resilience, which is that um, in, there's the external perturbations and yet we, we maintain ourselves. And the, the systems that were part of the, the, John said, well, anytime you have humans involved, you're, you're, you're going to have a, a complex adaptive system. It's going to have this emergent properties and that will tend towards keeping itself consistent. So he says, you, we need it when we're thinking about changing, we need to re recall that, uh, that these uh, systems we have, because they're composed of humans will be complex adaptive systems. And, and that led to real, uh, interesting sort of image in my head, uh, because it's not just that the human systems themselves are complex and different systems, but they're composed of nodes, which is the people. <laughs> each each individual person themselves are a complex adaptive system. And, and this is where, uh, you know, as individuals, we resist being changed. If someone tells us that we should change our behavior, our, our, our initial reaction typically is not, hey, that's a good point. <laughs> that's, I, should, I should consider that. It tends to be, well, no, and we have all the reasons uh, to not change. Uh, and, and this is a source of sort of individual uh, resistance. And, I, and I, I'm sure that's something that um, you, you and I have uh, experienced many times. Oh, absolutely. So I have a client right now where I'm doing one of my uh, patented uh, tornado-like transformations. I'll, I'll change the whole organization in the space of two months and really shift how they're approaching things. And, and um, in, in this case, we're using the agile tools that the company already has in place to actually produce agile results. They've, they've taken uh, many, many years to, to roll out new ideas, and we're, we're doing one in a week. So uh, this is going to upset a lot of apple carts. And the um, method I'm using there, I'm interested, Jeffrey, in, in how this theory applies to this uh, particular situation. The method I'm using is to go ahead and do it without asking anyone's permission and then uh, flush out all the folks who are discomfited by this. So there's going to be a lot of people trying to get back to homeostasis. Hey, this is how we used to do things. And it used to be that I could wait for six months before something new came from technology, if not six years. And now all of a sudden you've got it in six days and, and this is completely different and new and, and please take it away. Uh, please stop <laughs> because I want to go back to how it was. And the goal is to flush those folks out and then not to go and tell them uh, this is the new way and here's how we're going to do it and it's all changing and tough luck. We'll do that if we have to, but the goal is not to do that. What I'm, I'm training the, the folks who are driving this change, I'm kind of driving it from the, the backstage rather than the front of the stage. The folks at the, at the front, uh, I'm training them in how to ask questions. And their, their first mission is to go find all these people who we fleshed out who are producing the, 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 the friction, who are uh, aiming to get back to homeostasis, back to their pre previous state, and ask them a lot of questions. And that curiosity, I think, is going to help us to, first of all, discover where the homeostasis is useful, because there's probably some areas in which this kind of rapid change is not appropriate, and it would sure be good to know about those before we implement it across the whole technology organization. 
and then to uh, include them in the process rather than um, imposing it on them. So I think that matches up well with what you were talking about with John and the others about complex adaptive systems. Am I right or am I confused? <laughs> it, it does. And uh, one thing I'll say, and I'm, I'm curious to see how our listeners feel um, having heard what you just described, because I think it's an interesting example where people might hear the same thing, but come to different conclusions. So you said, you know, we want to flush them out of the system. And, and some people might have the image of sort of flushing a toilet. And you see, as you said, oh, you no, want no, to sorry. yeah, you want to make them surface, right? You want to be exactly. No, no, no. Yes. Very good point. Thank you for clarifying. <laughs> this is a term, I think it's from hunting. Um, yes, and that's it, right. It certainly doesn't mean we're going to shoot anybody, but it's the idea that um, uh, there there are some uh, entities hiding someplace and you'd like to flush them out of cover. They're kind of hiding and you can't see them. And so you take some action, typically make a big loud noise and suddenly the pheasants fly up. Uh, that's when you can uh, know that they're there. And if you're hunting pheasants, you might be shooting at them, but that's not what we want to do here. We just want to find <laughs> out who they are in a organization of several hundred people. And once we find out where the pockets of um, possibly correct resistance are, instead of shooting at them, or we're going to invite them to first tell us what the difficulties are for them and add uh, their information to ours, and then to be part of coming up with solutions using the tools that we're discovering the team already have for rapid delivery. So yes, very good point. It has nothing to do with flushing toilets, everything to do with flushing, um, uh, flushing uh, out of cover. Yeah. And, and and the reason you want to do it is because you're interested in learning, which is something you, you focused on. It, it, and it, it can be sort of um, mutual learning. You know, mm -hmm. you, you would like to have the conversation so that they might learn what you're hoping to achieve. And at the same time, you're hoping to learn from them Absolutely. to make sure that you don't break anything important. And, and, <laughs> and this is super important in this particular example, because the company, as with many companies, are is having a delicate time, right? And no company is uh, doing well right at the moment in the middle of the pandemic. There's Everybody's been um, uh, challenged in one way or another, and this company particularly. And so it would be very bad if we went into some uh, huge profit center and uh, suddenly introduced a, a huge drop in revenue because we tried to uh, disrupt their business hugely. And uh, that suddenly had a massive impact on the bottom line. So we want to look for those kinds of things, this group and I, and I'm teaching them how to, to go and find that information out. And uh, that's, the, that's the point of creating the environment change so that they will be evident and then including them in the discussion as we make the change. So it's not imposed on them. Yeah. And, and, I, and I really like this because I have a couple of thoughts about this. And one is, if we go back, that, that quote that I started with, that people don't resist change, there's this being change. John brought it up, but he also properly attributed uh, to Peter Senge, uh, um, who, of course, talks about learning organizations. And what, what you're doing is you're trying to make sure that you, you, you don't miss the opportunity to learn from these people. And, um, and as you said, make them um, part of the process uh, and as, a, as opposed to being victims and having change opposed, which is so often where the resistance come from. And, and that idea of people resistance, uh, resisting being change uh, goes back to something uh, we've talked on the uh, podcast before many times about Dr. David Burns and his Feeling Good podcast. And he talks of something in his team therapy. He talks about um, a process of uh, the, the team acronym, the A stands for agenda setting. And he in particular talks about paradoxical agenda setting. And he says it's important to have agenda sitting with the patient because the number one source of failure of therapy is it feels because of resistance in engendered by the therapist trying to change the patient. And just as Senge would predict, people resist that. So even though they've come for help, 
when the the they feel that someone's trying to change them, they naturally resist. And and uh, it, so we're talking about that at an individual level. And this was described in this lean coffee session. I, and I don't recall um, who said it. Uh, there was a another uh, quote that someone put in there. They said, "When you when you push against the system, the harder you push against the system, the harder the system pus- pushes back." And uh, and I think there's a nice sort of nested nature here of the entire. Uh, uh, network that the, the organization as a complex adaptive system pushing back against the attempt to to, to, to impose change which makes sense if you think about homeostasis right if I turn up the temperature turn up the heat you're going to start sweating your body's going to try to re- re- get back to the state it was in before that, that's right and 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 so the similar thing happens with individuals even a therapy session even in a therapy session where someone has come to get help and and what I like about David Burns set, uh, system and the way he gets around this, uh, is he is he essentially he accepts it and he says okay I, I can't change people <laughs> and so I shouldn't be doing that and mm-hmm. in fact we'll go further and say you know maybe uh, maybe you shouldn't change and, and he calls this sitting with open hands you know and and, uh, and he goes even a bit further he'll say um, you know you you are doing these things that you're doing for very good reasons in fact maybe you you come here saying that you're a bit anxious and he'll say I'm not sure we want to change that. Yeah, this anxiety is helping you. It exactly, seems like it's a really good signal that there's something to be anxious about. So yeah. maybe we should stick with that, and and you should go home and and not do anything different. What do you think about that? And he goes further. He says, "Let's make a list. Let's make a list of all the ways <laughs> that anxiety could be helpful. Not only helpful, but that it says something good and positive about you." Yeah, you're you're anxious about your child who's away at um, uh, in the in the military, for example. You're showing that you care deeply about your child and that you're concerned and you want your child to live and have a happy life. And and this child is off uh, participating in a in a war somewhere. Well, that's um, naturally concerning to you, and it shows that you're a good mother. Yeah, that's, that's right. These are all very good things. Why would you want to change that? Exactly, exactly. And so that um, it's a it's a uh, conversation with the person to where it, it's going to be the decision to change or not is going to be it's going to be on them it's it's their uh, um they need to embrace it and, and with the uh, with the insight that if they don't embrace it then in fact uh, uh then they're, they're not going to change and you can save a lot of time and and uh, and, and heartache uh, um by uh, having that conversation and, and and you can make people more uh, uh, open to change when they realize that uh, that they uh, have that choice. And so, what often happens is people will say, "Well, yes, that's you know, it's true. Uh, I, uh, these are good traits." But in fact, he goes he goes a bit further and says, "Let's talk about the downsides. If you did change and you, you weren't anxious, uh, um, so so he he kind of pulls out all their reasons uh, to not change and makes that part of the conversation, and and in part of that then allows them to to see." And weigh the options. So you know, you, yes, uh, there is those benefits, but at the same time, I there are changes. There's elements of the change that I would value, and it becomes a choice. So that idea of getting past, uh, uh, allowing the patient to get past their own inner resistance as part of the agenda setting uh, reminds me a bit of this: uh, what technique you're looking to do, where you are um, having a, a, a real conversation around the the value of what people are currently doing, and because you genuinely. Uh, say uh, you you believe coming in that people are are doing things for a reason that these um, systems and behaviors and processes that they have and that they've been enacting that there was some reason for it there was some value for it and if you uh, if you want to improve 
this situation, if you want the team to be able to move to something better, it really has to start with um, valuing the good parts of what they've actually been doing and recognizing that there was value in it. And finding out what it is, because for example, the folks that I'm working with who want to make these changes, one way they could make them is by just railroading the changes through and just saying, great, we're going to drop everything on our roadmap. We're now going to be very experimental, tough, everybody. And that would be disastrous <laughs> because there's areas of the organization where that would really not work and would cause um, uh, real trading problems for this company when uh, it's a, a delicate time for trading. Uh, a delicate time when they need to be very cautious about ensuring their bottom line uh, remains healthy. Uh, so um, the the goal is not, and and this is something that's easy for people to hear. They they, they kind of go into a um, there's a natural tendency to think in manipulative terms in in uh, what we call model one thinking, and to think, ah oh, yes, this is where I pretend to listen and I make sure that I understand. <laughs> all the arguments the other person has. And then what I do is I make sure I come up with really good arguments to why they're wrong. And this yes. is the, the opposite of the mindset that you're, you're after. Because Dr. Burns really does discover sometimes the patient doesn't want help and that it really would be helpful to remain anxious. And he says, thanks, go home. You know, we're, we're done. Yeah. <laughs> thanks very There's much. Something else I can help you with. <laughs> can I help you with something else? Exactly. And that's the mindset that you want to have because um, as these folks go off and I'm kind of preparing myself for, for training them next week, as they go off to, to have these discussions, I want them to come back saying, hey, you know, we were going to do X and boy, X would be a terrible thing to do. We've got to do Y instead because I discovered this very useful thing from this part of the business. That's the outcome that I'm looking for. And that's the mindset that you want to have because almost certainly there's something that's driving the resistance that is useful. There's some reason that the person you're talking to is trying to get back to a previous state. And um, if you can value that and make them part of um, informing you and then coming up with a better solution, you're likely to have a much more successful change. So that's what we're going to be doing. Yeah. And, and, uh, and, and so this is the, this is the one element that, well, there's many things I was excited about from the conference, but as it is here, is it just a, a few hours uh, after the end? Uh, that's one thing that I had very much in my mind, this idea of, of um, the human organizations as complex adaptive systems composed of complex adaptive systems, which are the people themselves, and the the value of conversations as a way of um, um, influencing the complex adaptive system and learning from it, and and this especially I like this focus on learning uh, because we end up um, ideally we end up having this conversation with mutual learning, and one of the outcomes is that the system itself <laughs> adapts in a, in a more positive way. It, it starts to uh, uh, value. Uh, the learning element, and and you end up with different dynamics, and that ability to change the dynamics of the whole system through changing uh, the the individual nodes through conversations uh, is is the uh, image I had in my head, which I uh, wanted to share with the audience. Fantastic, and you've done that very well, despite having had almost no sleep. So I, I think we should let you go to sleep. But thank you, Jeffrey, for for bringing us some some cool ideas from DevOps Enterprise Summit. And if people are interested in more cool ideas from there, I'm sure eventually you'll be able to watch the talks and so on. I don't know quite how it works, but we'll include the link so that you can find out more about that. And if you want to talk to us about um, agile transformations and change, and uh, if you disagree with us and think maybe paradoxical agenda setting is not such a good idea, any of those things, we're always glad to hear from our listeners. You can get in touch using the links and so on at conversationaltransformation.com. Twitter, email, uh, there's videos of us and all kinds of other fun things there. So please visit. 
And of course, we also like it when you hit the subscribe button in whatever you're using to listen to us because we're here every week, but mostly having had more sleep and we're <laughs> ready to talk to you about uh, more things uh, from the realm of troubleshooting Agile. Thanks, Jeffrey. Take care. Thanks, Ron.